0: All right, Psalm 96, if you'll turn there. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Psalm 96 is where we're going to begin. I have it to where we're going to go through Psalm 101. So it is is the last Wednesday of uh, night service of 2015. So I was thinking I just might teach till 9, 10 o'clock. So... <laughs> It was my goal to get to at least Psalm 100 before the end of the year, so whoever the Lord leads us. It is the last Wednesday night of 2015, and um, the reason is is because next week we will not be meeting on Wednesday night, okay, and um, we will have instead our Christmas Eve services at 4 and 6, family services, we will have a nursery provided for those who desire to use the nursery for three years and year olds and under, um, and then the rest will be in here, and uh, we're going to have a wonderful time with just celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then on the 30th, we will not be here on Wednesday night, instead we will be here on New Year's Eve and doing our annual New Year's Eve prophecy update. And so there's a lot to talk about, and the kids will be finishing up December to remember. And, um, and so we're looking forward to that, to holiday seasons. Invite somebody out in the bulletins. We're a, a green flyer, and we'll put some more in this week, um, t- talking about en- enlisting the holiday services. Invite somebody out to Christmas Eve as we celebrate uh, the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in his first Advent. Invite somebody out as we talk about his second advent, even as we go through some of these psalms, particularly Psalm 96, and 97, and 98, that speaks specifically about the coming of the Lord when he comes to rule and reign. And uh, invite him out. One of the things that um, we as you know, a church, we want to reach out to people in every way that we can. And uh, I know that many of you have come in different means, but a lot of you have come through the radio program, hearing this on Grace FM. but You know what? I think that it's important for us to remember that to invite somebody. And one of the studies that I just read was that a majority of people who don't uh, go to church uh, during the year or perhaps don't have a church home are during holiday season at Christmas are more open to going to church if they are invited, that they'd be willing to say yes. And there may be that person at work that the Lord's put on your heart or maybe a family member or maybe somebody in your neighborhood or at school, uh, that don't be afraid to ask them. Come out and um, celebrate with us on Christmas Eve, 4 and 6 o'clock, or New Year's Eve, and, and uh, uh, just you know, pray that the Lord will open their heart and let them come because uh, we're going to give the gospel and we're going to give them the message of the only hope that there is in this world, and that is Jesus Christ came and died for you, and he loves you. And he has such a wonderful plan for you, and he wants to bless you and strengthen you as we enter into this new year, 2016. So that's the schedule for the next couple of weeks, and then after uh, New Year's, as we enter into 2016, we're going to be back here on Wednesday nights. Um, I'm so grateful for Wednesday nights. A lot of churches have canceled their midweek services or are doing something else, which which is fine, but... I've seen the Lord bless our midweek services and um, so many young people coming out and all kinds of people coming out just desiring to hear the word of God as we travel through the scriptures. Um, And and that just touches my heart because I remember when we first started um, Calvary Chapel, uh, we came with the, you know, we didn't know how to start a church. We knew nothing about it. You know, we didn't go to Bible College started church 101 class. And um, when we came up, we had, I had a stool like this and a cheap guitar for $300 that I bought. Um, that's all the money that we had. And, and a Bible. That was it. That's all we had, and we started in our home. And as we came up, all we knew, Sue and I, as we felt the call of God on our lives to come here and start Calvary Chapel, uh, it'll be 20 years next month. Matter of fact, January seventeenth, 1996, we had our first Friday night. And I was so scared to death. S- still am at times. I'm scared to death at times when, when I come in, just depending on the Lord. But it was just a wonderful time. We started a study in the book of Revelation, and that was our first uh, study. And, um, and then as we got a building, a little place downtown in June of that year, and we started Sunday morning services. uh We just uh, were teaching through the Bible and, and teaching chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And we did a midweek. We've always done a midweek. And I remember that there were even pastors in town saying that ah, that won't work. And and we started in Genesis. And um, I remember being in Genesis and then going to Exodus and then Leviticus. And here it is, a year or two later. And just wondering, Lord, is anybody going to come? And um, should I do something different? And, um, you know, just being patient and waiting. Um, I remember even uh, one pastor in town that was well-known said, you shouldn't be teaching through the book of Leviticus. A, you know, it's not relevant for us today. And all I knew is that God said, go through the scriptures, and I'll take care of the results. And I remember one time... Uh, wondering if anybody was going to come besides my family. Um, but people always did trickle in. And and um, and I'm so blessed at the fruit of of what God has done in bringing people. And, you know, during the year, you've seen it Wednesday nights, we've been packed out here because people are hungry. And people need to hear the word of God. And it's like, Lord, you know, he's taught me a lot of lessons that, that our strength isn't in numbers and our strength isn't in buildings and our strength isn't in budgets, but our strength is in him, him alone and trusting what we are to do. And we're going to continue next year to just go through the scriptures in the environment of love. And I believe that's what we need. We need God's love and God's word more than, than anything. Um, especially in this crazy, mixed-up, messed-up world that we're in. So I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do on Wednesday nights and also on Sundays and other times as we meet. We're looking forward to it. So continue to be in the Scriptures and continue to learn and continue to come out and, and bring others that particularly are confused or, or hurting, those who um, are wondering. And uh, hopefully as they go through the Scriptures, that's the way to grow in faith. It's the way to grow in faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing, hearing by what? The word of God. And I know that I'm redundant in saying that, but I will not be negligent to remind you of these things, though you be established in them. Okay? So we'll continue in the word of God. And uh, we're going to finish Philippians this Sunday, 8, 930, and 11 o'clock. And uh, we're... Uh, finish up that prison epistle, and then uh, we'll start in on Colossians, and that'll take us into February, and then after Colossians, we'll do Philemon, and that's just a short epistle, and that'll finish the prison epistles, and I don't know what we'll do after that, so um, I'm still praying about it, but we got time to think about it. We got a Bible study tonight. There are some things coming up. Um, Don't forget uh, that Sundays, we're keeping our normal schedule, three morning services, and then there's some youth events coming up next uh, on Sunday. There is the youth that's going to meet the middle, middle schoolers, I believe, on Sunday afternoon. And uh, so parents look at that from 1 to 3. And then also there is the December to remember for the family. So if you have children in children's ministry, come. And uh, they're going to have some snacks and games and a lot of fun. That's from 6 to 8 o'clock on Sunday. And then on Tuesday is going to be the high schoolers that are going to meet here from 6 to 8 o'clock and have their little Christmas gathering, the high schoolers. So uh, look at your bulletin. If you've got any questions about the youth, just talk with Luke and Ashley, and they'll be around, and they'll be happy to answer any questions. All right, other than that, Christmas Eve services, New Year's Eve, 7 o'clock is New Year's Eve on the 31st, and we won't be here next Wednesday or on the 30th of December. Got it? All right, Psalm 92, and Father, we do ask that, or 96, Lord, we ask that you would just bless our study, and Lord, we thank you again for the the privilege to be in your word, because you honor your word above your name, and Lord, we know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and we know that uh, the word of God is what grows us and matures us, instructs us. And, Lord, keeps us healthy spiritually. And, Lord, there's so much deception that is out there, so many voices screaming at us. We want to hear your voice tonight. As we read your word, I pray that tonight we would be attentive because we can come into this place and we're tired. And some of us have been up since early and uh, perhaps not even having dinner yet. But, Lord, we want to feed upon the word of God. And we desire that you would refresh us and renew us. And Lord, so we thank you that we're here. Teach us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So Psalm 96, this psalm declares God's glory in the coming of his kingdom. And the psalmist writes, So oh, sing to the Lord a new song, and sing to the Lord all the earth, and sing to the Lord bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day and declare his glory among the nations and his wonders among all peoples. And so, three times the psalmist commands us to sing to the Lord. And what we're going to see as we progress through this psalm, that it will lead to verses seven and eight that we are told then three times to give to the Lord. And when we talk about giving to the Lord, remember that oftentimes the, the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about giving to the Lord, and, and the psalmist is going to talk about bringing an offering, but it's more than just bringing money, you know, giving to the Lord financially. And that is very important for you and I that we are to give to the Lord uh, as we give financially and investing in the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, we're going to see as we close the book of Philippians that Paul is going to thank them for um, ministering and giving to him financially. And Paul says something very important that we need to understand that we'll expound on more on Sunday morning. But one thing is that he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that will bound to your account, the fruit that comes from his ministry. And the Philippian believers were very generous to Paul. They would give to him at Thessalonica and minister to his needs there so uh, he could uh, focus on ministering full-time. And and they were ones that also, the Philippian church, were ones that gave to the Jerusalem saints and that offering that Paul was collecting at the end of his third missionary journey that he would take to the saints in Jerusalem that were hurting those saints in Jerusalem. They're going through difficult times and persecution and drought at that time. So the Gentile churches, particularly as the church of Philippi, led the way to give. And Paul commends them in 2 Corinthians, as you read those chapters 8 and 9, that you gave out of your poverty, you gave out of your persecution, you gave freely and willingly. So there is that investing in the kingdom of God. And listen. Every single one of us, as Paul, we're going to learn on Sunday, every single one of us, we have an eternal account. Do you know that? You have an eternal account, just as we have accounts, bank accounts or, you know, different accounts, IRAs, whatever it might be here on this earth. But every single one of us, we have an eternal account And as we invest in the kingdom of God financially and the fruit that abounds as you give to us here at Calvary Chapel Greeley so we can do the work of the ministry, so I can be here full time and study and be in prayer and and doing the work that God has called me to do and the staff and as we maintain the building and do other things, that the fruit that abounds here will go to your eternal account. And one of the things that I've always said is invest in the kingdom of God because the returns are out of this world. And that eternal account that you have, that as you give financially, the fruit that abounds, As also as we give, as we are to give to him, that we give of our service as we serve the Lord. And, and we are to do that in serving wherever God has you and opportunities that he gives to you, how he's gifted you. And then also, in as we give to Him, the psalmist is talking about sing a new song, and worship as we worship Him. That is giving to the Lord, a sacrifice of praises with. The New Testament will talk about, and even the psalmist talks about a sacrifice of praise that we're to give to him. So that's how it is that we can give to the Lord. So the psalmist saying, sing to the Lord a new song. But I want us to notice before we move on that he writes in verse 2, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day and declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all people. And if you have a King James, it actually reads, show the good news of his salvation from day to day. Show it, that is, uh, that you are to show it in your life. Because, you see, not only do we believe the gospel and believe the cross, but we live the gospel. We live the cross, don't we? And it's very important that we show and then we tell. We are to show the good news of the gospel and that we are believers of his salvation from day to day. Not just on some days, but from day to day. And it's really important that we be consistent in our walk with the Lord and being that witness to others. And I know that there are times where, you know, we fall short of that. And, and I understand that. And God is so gracious and good to forgive us and, and to continue to work in us and through us. But to day by day that people see the reality of Jesus Christ in us and that he is real in our lives, that he's changed our hearts, that we are recipients of that good news. Not just, you know, on Sunday when we come to church or on Wednesday night and then the rest of the time, you know, uh, the the things that are coming out of our mouths or the things that we're watching or perhaps uh, the activities that we're involved in grieves the Lord and it's not a good witness to others. So here he says, show as proclaim the good news uh, of his salvation and then declare it. That is, that you are to tell of it. And as we are ones that... Uh, A lot of times it works in this way, that people will be more open to hear from us when they see the gospel being worked out in our lives, when they see the reality of Jesus, that they know that there's something different about us that is different in the world. So here the psalmist is saying something very important to, to show and, and then to tell. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit. As Paul was one, that he would say to the believers in, in Corinth and in Philippi, to Timothy, he said, follow my manner of life and then follow my doctrine. You know, you saw how I lived. I didn't hold anything back from you, you Ephesian elders, but I went from house to house. You know what manner of man I was in all seasons. That there was the gospel that was in me. And, and I'm a, one that proclaimed the gospel from house to house. I didn't hold anything back from you. So it's always, you know, show and tell. And first of all, you got to come and see. You see, in that garden on the first Resurrection Sunday, you remember when the women came to the tomb? And it was the angels that, as they saw the angels, said, come and see. Come and see that he's not there, that he's risen from the grave, just as he told you that he would. And then they said, go and tell. And it's real important that we, every single day, that we come and see. That's the invitation. Have you ever noticed that as particularly you go through John's gospel, the Lord always says, come. Come to me, Peter, out on the water as we read that. Come, in, come and see as Nathaniel's sitting under the fig tree. We found the Messiah. He, he, he's from Nazareth. And he said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Come and see. Come and see. So the invitation is always to come and see and then go and tell. And as we come and see, just singing that new song, giving to him, giving our devotion to him, as we give a sacrifice of praise, as we're just close to the Lord, then we're going to be able to go and and show and tell. So the psalmist continues, for the Lord is great in verse 4, and greatly to be praised. is to be feared above all gods, and for all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens, and honor and majesty are before him, and strength and beauty are in his sanctuary so we praise him because our god is great and all other gods and idols are worthless our god created the heavens and honor and majesty belong to him alone and in verse 7 give to the lord o families of the people give to the lord glory and strength give to the lord the glory do his name bring an offering and come into his courts o worship the lord in the beauty of holiness Tremble before him all the earth. So when the Lord establishes his kingdom, as we read here, all families of the people uh, will come and worship before him and give him the glory that is due his name. So we are going to offer um, you know, our glory and majesty uh, that is due his name as we are to give to him, and we are to be one that we worship the Lord. You see, when the Lord comes back, and as we go home to be with Him, because we're going to come back with Him in the second coming of Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 19 tells us, but here's the thing about, as the psalmist is saying, give, give a new song, bring an offering. Here's the thing about giving. When we go to be with the Lord, none of us are going to say, oh, I wish I didn't, you know, give that time in serving the Lord, or I wish I didn't give that time in my devotion to the Lord, or... You know, investing in the kingdom of God financially, in my service to him, whatever it is that we're giving to him. You see, remember when Mary, there was Mary that, that in John's gospel, right before Jesus went to the cross, she took that alabaster box and she broke it o- open. It was a costly, you know, spikenard, you know, fragrant oil, and, and it was worth almost a year's wages. And she broke it open with no hesitation and poured it on Jesus to anoint him for his burial. And she anointed his feet, and she's worshiping there. And what was the response of Judas? Judas was, what a waste. That was a waste. But here's the thing. As Judas said, that was a waste. You know, That could have been sold, that, that costly spikenard uh, fragrant oil, and, and sold and given the money to the poor. And we know that Judas didn't care about the poor, did he? But what is interesting is when he made that point, the other disciples chimed in and said, Yeah, that's right. That is kind of a waste. What are you doing, Mary? And Jesus said, Listen, back off, guys. She has done this as a memorial for me to, to honor me and worship me for my burial. She is anointing me for my burial. Mary knew what was going on. Because she was a worshipper and she gave to the Lord. But a lot of times, what can happen is we can think, or people will come along and say, "Well, you know, why do you serve at church? Or why do you serve in this ministry? You know, you sure are dedicated to it. you. Sure, take it serious. Or why do you, you know, invest in in the church and give to the church? Isn't that kind of a waste?" There the world will come along and others will come along and the enemy will come along Whoever and they will say it's a waste to to give your praise You sure spend a lot of time reading your Bible or your service to the Lord. or you giving to the Lord? And none of us when we get to heaven Are gonna say you know that was a waste But as I mentioned to you as we give to him There's an eternal account that All of us have as we give as Jesus said store up your treasures in heaven because everything on this earth is going to pass away. It's going to burn up. It's going to go away. But what we have done for Christ, that's what's going to last. And all of us as believers, we will stand before the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ. We'll be given rewards for what we have done in the body, whether good or bad. We're not being judged for salvation. Jesus took that judgment for our sins. So you and I as believers, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, as we stand at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ, We're not going to be judged for our sins. He's not judging us to see if we're good enough to make it into heaven. That's been determined by faith alone in him. But with that said, there are rewards that the Lord desires to give to us. And do you realize that a lot of Christians don't realize that? They don't realize that there's eternal rewards and crowns that the New Testament speaks about that are going to be given to us. And what we have done for Christ, the gold and silver and precious metals, what it's likened to. It's going to be rewarded for all eternity. So anything that you do for Christ and you're given to Him in your devotion, in your prayers, in your fasting, remember that Jesus said when you go and pray, Your father sees you and he's going to reward you as you go and you fast. That the father sees that and he's going to reward you as we serve him, as we give and invest in the kingdom of God. However the Lord leads you in doing that, as we give a sacrifice of praise unto him. And as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, which is a sacrifice acceptable to God, a sweet smell and aroma. That means it was pleasing to God. That there's an eternal account that you're investing in storing up your treasures in heaven, and none of us will say that was a waste. So don't be tricked by people or the enemy or the world that comes along and says, you know, you're a little bit serious about being religious or whatever. But say, you know what, my priority is I want to give to the Lord. And I want to invest in giving to him and my offerings and my service to him and my devotion to him. So that's what the psalmist is talking about here, and and then again as we continue in verse ten, say among the nations the Lord reigns, and the world also is firmly established; it shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. So, you know, as we look at this psalm. Uh, again, the Lord establishes his kingdom. Uh, The heavens and all creation are are going to rejoice as we read verse 11. The heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. And then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. And so we see this poetic language as being used and we're going to see it in the next two Psalms about how creation will clap their hands and there's going to be great rejoicing at the coming of the Lord. And then in verse 13, as we read, for he is coming. He is coming, just as we sang tonight. For he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with this truth. Hebrews says that the one who will come shall come, and he shall tarry no longer. And you and I have the promise of Scripture that he is Going to come, Jesus promised himself that he's going to come. And I can't wait till he comes. I don't know when he's going to come, but he is going to come. And we're to be looking for the Lord. We're to be occupying till he comes and serving and giving to him. But he is going to come and the day is going to come where he will tarry no longer. So Psalm 97, as we continue looking at these messianic psalms, that we read that the Lord reigns in verse 1 of Psalm 97. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad or the coastlands be glad. There in verse 1, no matter the circumstances that we face or perhaps the the feelings inside of us, always remember this, that the Lord reigns. This specifically speaking when he rules and reigns on the earth, but he sits on the throne and he reigns in our hearts, doesn't he? And so we always know whatever it is that we're going through at this Christmas season as we enter into the new year, He reigns, and the Lord reigns, and that brings comfort to me. And let the multitude of the coastland be glad, and we can be glad. And so clouds and darkness surround him, verse 2. And righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And a fire goes before him, and he burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. So the Lord is awesome. And the children of Israel, you remember the story when they came to Mount Sinai that the Lord said to Moses, get the people ready, come to the mountain of God. And so they did tell them to consecrate themselves because I'm going to speak to them in three days, and that's what they did. And as the mountain shook, it, it shook and there was lightnings and thunders and there's fire on the mountain and, and there was the the thunder of God's voice and the people shook, they feared, they went to their tents and said, Moses, this is too much. You go up on the mountain and we'll do what you tell us to do. It was just the, the awesomeness of God and His presence on the mountain of God. What is amazing is About 40 days later, they said, this is our God, a golden calf. And they began to dance around it and fornicating and idolatry and immorality and all of this. For you and I, we know that the Lord is coming. And the Lord is awesome. And as the description is here, as lightnings light the world, Jesus said that when I come back, every eye shall see. And my coming is like the lightning that flashes from the east to the west. And in the presence of the Lord of the whole earth, everyone will see. It always kind of, I chuckle, it's sad, but it chuckles when those cults come along or the false prophecies of, you know, when Jesus is going to come and and he doesn't come. And well, he kind of came secretly, they'll say. Or, you know, he kind of came in this way and only these people knew about it. That's not what the Bible says. That every eye shall see him. He's going to come in great glory and and power. It's going to be absolutely incredible when he comes back. You see, Jesus in the first coming, there's relatively quiet. Most of the world didn't know. There was the shepherds out in the field as they were washing, watching their flocks by night. And there was the angel that came and gave the announcement. And the heavenly host that was with the angel, probably Gabriel, because Gabriel was associated with messages concerning the coming of, of Messiah. And, and, you know, don't be afraid. As the shepherds were, were afraid, it would be an awesome sight for those shepherds. For thus born unto you in the city of David is Savior Christ the Lord. And and there was praising of God. But other than that, there was no more announcement. The rest of the world didn't really know. The Magi, as we're going to talk about, they would come later as they would follow the star. But we know that when Jesus comes the second time, that no one's going to miss it, that every eye shall see. And lightning that flashes from the east, from the west, is going to be an awesome thing. And all the people see his glory as we see the psalmist writes. In verse 7, let all be put to shame who ca- serve carved images, who boast of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion, hear and is glad. And the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, Lord, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Remember that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is exalted above all other names, as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. He is far above exalted above all other gods because all other gods are false gods. And you see, they are going to be put to shame. That's one of the reasons why Paul would write in Romans, giving us the theme of the book of Romans in chapter 1, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but it's the power of God to salvation for whoever believes. There's power in the gospel and the good news. And so then he explains the gospel after that, and the doctrine of justification, and the doctrine of sanctification. And It's a powerful book, the book of Romans. But he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Jesus Christ is going to come back, and he's going to sit on the throne. It's going to be Jesus sitting on the throne. There's going to be no, you know, other throne next to him, a co-throne, you know, of Muhammad, Confucius, Buddha's, whoever it might be, any other religious leader. Jesus Christ alone is going to rule and reign. And you see, I pray that now we would never be ashamed to declare him, speak of him. Talk about the Lord, because He is coming back and He's going to sit on the throne and it's going to be awesome. And we're just going to go, Wow, Lord. And righteousness will cover the earth as waters covered the sea. And it's going to be an incredible time when he comes and rules and reigns for a thousand years here on this earth. And is Jesus on the throne? And I pray for us that we wouldn't say, Oh no. Oh no. I was so caught up in trivial things in my life that took me away from the Lord. You know, I didn't really give to the Lord. I was so wrapped up in other things. And listen, folks, I understand we have jobs, we have businesses, we have families, we, we have all those things that can occupy our time. But I pray that in our hearts that we would not be ashamed of him and serving him and giving to him and desiring to grow in the Lord and, and to honor him with our lives in every area of our lives because we're going to see him on the throne. And the good news is we're going to rule and reign with him. I want to remind you of that. We're not just going to be sitting on a cloud twiddling our thumbs and playing a harp. We're going to rule and reign with him. And I don't know exactly what it is that we're going to be doing, but Jesus talked about, you know, in the parable of the talents and and all of that, being faithful in what has been given to us. And I desire for myself, for my family, and for this church family, I want to hear the Lord say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And all of us are going to enter into the joy of our Lord. But I desire to hear those words say to you, the Lord say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And we're going to be given two cities and five cities and ten cities, whatever exactly that means. We're going to be judging the angels, as Paul says in Corinthians. I say, really, what is that all about? I think that we're going to be saying, hey, you angel, you need to go do this for me and you need to go do that. That's going to be kind of cool, isn't it? So we're going to rule and reign. It's going to be absolutely awesome. And this is just kind of training right now. And what we do now is going to have a whole lot in determining what we're going to do in ruling, ruling and reigning with the Lord. So I pray that we would keep him the priority of our lives. And just giving to him, and desiring to know him, Walk with him and be one that we show the reality of Jesus because he's the one that is exalted all above other gods. And verse 10, as we read, you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is shown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Our hearts should be one's that we hate evil. I know, guys, on Tuesday night in the men's study that Pastor John's been reiterating this to you, that we are to hate sin. We don't hate the sinner, but we hate sin. And listen, as we're told in the Scriptures that we are to hate sin, that we are to hate evil, know this, that evil will demand acceptance in our society and in our world. And I believe that it's going to be a tactic of the enemy to us and is a tactic right now as we get especially closer to the return of the Lord as we see that the world's getting darker, our society's getting darker, that the enemy likes to use that trick in trying to deceive us and fool us because evil and sin is going to demand acceptance in our world and in our society. How can you judge them and their lifestyle? How can you be intolerable? How can you be so judgmental? How can you say that Jesus is Lord? How can you say that, Christian? How can you say this immorality or homosexuality or any of these things are wrong? How can you say that? You're being hateful. And the society around us and the world that we live in is going to scream at us that we need to accept that which is sin and evil. Do we understand that? And that pressure is going to be put on us more and more. It's a trick of the enemy. And sometimes Christians are saying, Well, I don't want to be known as being intolerable or hateful or judgmental or any of those things. And so they begin to compromise. And we don't understand it as as Christians that we're to hate evil. Why? Because it just does this destructive work, and it keeps people from the Lord. And you and I, if we really love people, we're going to love them enough to give them the truth, aren't we? To give them truth, the truth of God's word, and not compromise. And the Lord is looking for those who are going to speak the truth in love because that is our weapons. Our weapons as we go out and we fight the spiritual battle, as we bring the kingdom of God is truth. And we're to hate evil. We're to hate evil and sin because it ruins people's lives and it brings death and it keeps people from the Lord. So the psalmist is saying something very important. He preserves the souls of his saints, he delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. And light is shown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. And we're to rejoice in him because the Lord, he is our salvation. In Psalm 98, this psalm speaks of declaring God's glory. This psalm parallels what Psalm 96 says. In Psalm 98, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. Verse 2, The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel, and all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So speaking of Jesus' second coming and establishing his kingdom, in verse one, for he has done marvelous things, the psalmist is speaking as though it's already happened. The Lord is he's gonna come back, he's gonna speak of the marvelous things. It's as good as done when the Lord says that he is coming, Psalm 96, for he is coming to judge the earth. When he gives that promise, it's as good as done. He is going to come back. And he's done marvelous things in saving us, hasn't he, in, in making us a new creation in Christ and giving us a new heart and what he's done in our lives. But here the psalmist is, is saying that, you know, that uh, the Lord has made known his salvation and he's remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel and to the ends of the earth, have seen the salvation of our God. We're going to see he's going to continue to talk about when the Lord comes back. Verse 4, so shout, verse 4, joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, and break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, and with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the king. When the Lord returns and sets up his kingdom, joy. Fills the land. I don't know if if you guys know this, but this psalm, Psalm ninety eight, even though it speaks of the second coming of Jesus Christ, this psalm inspired Isaac Watts to write Joy to the world that we sing at Christmas. Because joy is going to fill, you know, all the earth and break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. And certainly, we can sing that song, Joy to the World, as we sing about Jesus' first coming because he did come to bring us salvation. Jesus did come to bring us hope. And those shepherds were afraid out there in the field. And the message, the very first message of Jesus' coming is don't be afraid because the people were so afraid 2,000 years ago. The Roman Empire and Caesar Augustus and Herod the Great and the religious leaders, there was so much fear. And there's a lot of fear in people today. And you and I can sing joy to the world because our Savior has come, hasn't he? And he has saved us and we have hope and he's going to come back and we're going to come back with him. And it's going to be wonderful. And verse 7, let the sea roar in all its fullness. The world world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands and let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he's coming to judge the earth. With righteousness he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. As Uprightness is what is being said there. The poetic language talking about how the Lord comes back that all creation will break forth in praise. You remember when Jesus in the triumphal entry? That is, he got on that that donkey and he rode down the mount of olives and he would cross the kidron valley and he's probably coming up through the southern entrance of of the temple and the people are waving the palm branches and laying their clothes on the road and they're yelling out that messianic psalm hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and the religious leader said tell your disciples to stop tell them to stop this is blasphemy They knew it was speaking that messianic psalm and Jesus was accepting that worship, that public worship for the very first time. And remember Jesus' response that if they keep silent, the very rocks are going to cry out. The very rocks will cry out. As I read this, I think about the rocks crying out or, you know, as it says here that uh, the, the rivers clap their hands, the hills be joyful together before the Lord. How is it that, that, that creation is going to clap their hands and the rivers rejoice And the poetic language that is used there. All creation will praise his name. I think what we're going to see as Jesus comes back, it speaks about, as you go through Isaiah, as you look at the books of the prophets, that during that time there's going to be a change in topography and a desert is going to bloom and things are going to be wonderful once again. And remember that before the sin came into the world, that that the world was a very beautiful place. And as beautiful as it is now, we live in a fallen creation. We look at the Rocky Mountains, and we're blessed to live in this part of the world, but it is a fallen creation. And creation groans and moans as we read the scriptures. When the Lord comes back, we know that the deserts will bloom, and that's being spoken of by the prophets. So it's interesting to see this as it talks about the hills be joyful and the rivers clap their hands and the poetic language that is used here in speaking about the coming of the Lord and creation and all of that. But let's go to Psalm 99. This psalm is a praise unto God for his holiness. And the Lord reigns. And the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. So God dwells between the cherubim. You know that when Moses was told to build the Ark of the Covenant that would be placed in the Holy of Holies, only the high priest Aaron was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies where the tangible presence of God was. And, and Moses knew this that that's where I'm going to meet my people. In between the cherubim was the mercy seat, the lid on the Ark of the Covenant with the golden cherubims. It represents uh, the guardian angels of the throne of God, and there that they would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice to make atonement for the nation. And here God dwells between the cherubim, and, and I'll meet with my people. But here as we read this psalm, that number one, we are to fear him. He is awesome. Again, I spoke about how uh, he was feared there at Mount Sion, or Mount Sinai. And then 40 days later, the people began to dance around that golden calf. They forgot about the awesomeness, the mountain on fire, the thunders and the lightnings, the booming voice of God. You see, that can happen in our own lives. The Lord moves in our hearts and in our lives in a very deep and special way. But as time goes on, we kind of can forget about that. And I'm not saying that every day we need this emotional, you know, high or, or you know, this, this, you know, spiritual, you know, you know, experience that happens. That just, oh, the, the deep touching of the Lord. But walking in faith day by day and not drifting away. Not getting so tied up in the world and all of this. So here we are to fear him. He is awesome. And then second of all, in verses 4 and 5, we are to exalt him. The king's strength also loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. So second of all, exalt him. One way is through worship. And then thirdly, Moses and Aaron were among his priests, verse 6. And Samuel was among those who called upon his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance he gave them. You answered them, verse 8, O oh Lord our God. You were to them God who forgives And though you took vengeance on their deeds, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. So not only fearing him, second of all, exalting him, but thirdly, we get to call on him. Just as Moses and Aaron called on the Lord as Samuel, we get to call on him because we have relationship with him. And as Hebrews 10 declares, we can come into his presence with confidence because of the blood of Jesus Christ into the throne room of God, into the holy of holies. You see, Moses and Aaron, if they read Hebrews chapter 10 or they knew about it, they would be at awe. You mean really on this side of the cross, you guys get to go into the holy of holies because of the blood of Jesus Christ? It was a very awesome thing for Aaron, the high priest, to go into the Holy of Holies and the high priest after him only on one day a year for a short time after elaborate washings and cleansings. It was a very sobering thing. But you and I listen. We get to go into the Holy of Holies not just once a year, but every day of the year. We can go in as many times as we want. We can stay as long as we want. What a marvelous privilege and opportunity that we have because we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because what he has done for us. So we don't want to take that for granted, that we can come to him and call upon him because we belong to him. So a wonderful truth given here in Psalm 99 and then Psalm 100. We went over this on Thanksgiving Eve, and so we went over it quite extensively and And looked at it, it's a psalm of thanksgiving, so I'm just going to read it. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands, and serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing, knowing that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. So as we looked at this, we we talked about on Thanksgiving, This we are to be thankful to the Lord, and we are to come into his presence with singing, and we are his people. And here's the thing that I was thinking about as I looked at this once again, that I want to just point out, we're to serve the Lord with gladness. How is it that we serve the Lord with gladness? By worshiping him. Make a joyful shout to the Lord by thanking Him. We come and we give thanks to Him as we enter into His gates with thanksgiving. And then thirdly, just knowing Him. Just knowing Him because we are His people. My prayer is that as you walk with the Lord and journey with the Lord, and you're serving the Lord, maybe mom is, is raising your children in the ways of the Lord. Or maybe you're taking care of your elderly parents. Or maybe you're serving someone that no one else sees, no one else knows. Maybe you're serving here at the church. Maybe you're serving in another ministry somewhere. You know, that uh, you're just serving the Lord where he has you. One thing that I pray is that we would do it with the gladness of heart. You know, one thing that can happen that I need to be careful of is when I get to the end of the year, it's like, Lord, I'm tired. I'm a little bit tired. And I'm ready for the year to end. But then I got another year coming. And we're going to start all over again, you know, another year. And even though I can come to the Lord and I can say, Lord, I just need your strength, and your endurance, and I pray that you would pray for me. I never want to lose the gladness of heart in serving him. I always want to have a gladness of heart because I know this. If I stop worshiping him and being thankful to him and continuing to know him, I'm going to lose that gladness of heart, and then I will lose my ministry to stay close to him. And I am so thankful to him that he has allowed me to do this and being the pastor of this church and other things. And when I sit down and I really just think about, Lord, what he have done in this last year, Lord, I just can't help but worship him and be thankful. And, Lord, I just want to know you more, more than anything. And may we never lose that gladness of heart in serving him. What a privilege and an honor it is to serve the true and the living God. I want to have that gladness of heart always. And always before him. So the psalmist says something very important in Psalm 100. That you are to serve the Lord with gladness. Do all things without murmuring and complaining. Be thankful unto him. Worship him. and Desire to know him. And you'll have a gladness of heart. 101, very quickly. It's a psalm of David. I love this song. I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect, or that is, blameless way. O when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I'm going to walk with a heart that desires to know you. A heart of uprightness is what he's talking about. You know, one of the ways that we can always tell where we're really at with the Lord that David talks about, that I'm going to walk within my house with a perfect heart. When no one else is around, when no one else is looking, when you're not at church, you're not at work, you're not around your friends, when you're in your house, What is it that you're thinking? What is it that you're watching? What is it that you desire? That's one quick evaluation of where we're at with the Lord. Is when we're at home. And we're walking within our home, and perhaps no one else is there. What is it that our heart is focused on and desiring? He says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. And I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Again, on Sunday, we're going to talk about this. As Paul says, here are the things that you're to meditate on. That which is lovely, that which is truth, that which is praiseworthy, that which is noble, that which is of good report. I think that this verse here in Psalm 101, that when it says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. is a good verse for us to write down, put it on our laptops or, you know, our Uh, tvs and and whatever it is that we watch i don't want to set anything wicked before my eyes i hate the work of those who fall away i I shall not cling to me A, a perverse heart shall depart from me i will not know wickedness just showing this man that had a heart after god that 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 he desired to please the lord not to have a perverse heart And whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. We know that God takes very seriously this sin of slander and pride and arrogance. And we've talked about quite extensively about humility in the book of Philippians chapter 2. And my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, and they shall dwell with me. He who walks in the perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house, and he who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evil doers from the city of the Lord. So David wanted to surround himself with those who are walking with God. I'm not going to be with those who deceit and lie and are wicked around me. And of course Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse thirty three, that evil company corrupts good habits. So what a blessing it is for us to be here, right, with brothers and sisters that can encourage us and bless us and lift us up, pray for us, that we can grow together in the things of the Lord. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for these psalms that we went through. And, Lord, I thank you for Wednesday nights again, for all the work that you've done here in our midst and in our fellowship and your provision. But just as we come, just being able to grow together. And what my prayer is, is that our hearts would just have devotion to you and the desire to know you more and hearts of thanksgiving and a song in our hearts of worship. Lord, more than anything. And to give to you. And Father, not only do we declare the gospel but we show it day to day. Day to day, that's what we desire to do to the people around us, linked to us in our lives. Father, I do pray if there is anyone here tonight that has never given their life to you and come in faith, the good news of the gospel is this, that the Bible tells us that God declares, that we declare here is that we are all sinners in need of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you never come in faith and ask them to be your Lord and Savior, the invitation is come. To come and, and be forgiven as you put your faith and trust in the one who died for you and for your sins. Jesus, the Lord of lords, the King of all kings, who cried out from that cross, it is finished. I paid the price and I've made atonement for your sins. He was put into a grave, and the marvelous works is he rose from the grave, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he is Lord, and he wants to have relationship and bring you into access and relationship with the Father that only comes through him and belief in him, to be forgiven and have the hope of heaven. That's the truth, because salvation is not found in anyone else or anything else, only Jesus. So if there's anyone listening on live stream or anybody that happens to be here, we want to give you that invitation to come to Jesus tonight. And you pray, Jesus, I come to you a sinner. I confess that I have sinned. I believe you died for my sins on the cross. And then you were put into a grave and you rose again. And you're alive. You're speaking to my heart. Your word is spoke to me. And I now give my life to you. Be my personal Lord and Savior. I believe in the good news of the gospel. And thank you for forgiving me and loving me and saving me. And Father, I just want to pray for all of us that we would live the gospel, and in particularly this Christmas season, that we would be praying for coworkers and family members and neighbors and those that come to know Jesus who came to this world 2,000 years ago. Just as Mary was told that you're going to bring forth a son, And he shall name his name Jesus and he shall save his people from their sins. That the greatest need is to be freed not from the bondage of Rome that people were wanting 2,000 years ago or the bondage of, of anything that Rome can put on us, the world. But Lord, we need to be free from sin. We need to be free from sin. Because this world is not our hope. And Lord, I pray that that message would be given this Christmas season and in the new year. That Jesus is alive. He is Lord. His name is above all other names. We wouldn't be afraid of it. We would declare it with love. And Lord, to say that He's coming back. Lord, may we continue with the gladness of heart and walking with you, and knowing you, and loving you, and serving you. Bless everyone here, Lord, Take us home safely tonight. Look forward to coming back on Sunday and finishing the book of Philippians. Lord, just fill us with your love. Help us to be a light wherever we're at tomorrow and the next day. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.